Welcome to the Healthy Returns Podcast, where I sit down with founders, investors, and executives who are innovating in health tech, fitness and wellness, and human performance. My guest today is Brian Ferguson, founder and CEO of Arena Labs. In today's episode, we discuss Brian's connection to healthcare, what he learned about human performance while in the Navy, and how Arena Labs is improving clinician well-being at scale. We start our conversation by talking about Brian's background and how it ultimately led him to creating Arena Labs. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's episode. My journey ends up being really relevant Mm -hmm. in that I grew up in healthcare and my mom was a nurse. So at Arena Labs, we focus in what we call high-performance medicine. And we, you know, at a basic level, the provocative question behind high-performance medicine is why don't we give frontline nurses and doctors the same tools, training, and data that we offer to other high-risk, high-consequence professions? And so to deconstruct that a little bit, when you look at people who work in high-stress environments, whether they're in law enforcement, the military, um, the creative arts, they have to perform on stage, maybe they fly jets for a living, they work in elite sports, anything about people who are Olympic athletes or professional athletes, all of those disciplines, people have to perform under pressure. And the thing about pressure on the human system is over time, if you don't have the tools to manage it, it leads to perverse outcomes. And that's, there's a whole series of research, you know, more recently on this, but, you know, called allostatic load and and ultimately just the toll of stress. And so all of these other disciplines train people to perform under pressure. I was in the military. I'll come back to that in a minute. What's interesting about healthcare, and you probably are seeing some of this now, but we often think of doctors and nurses as wizards who know everything there is to know about the human body. The reality is that medical school and nursing school for the most part, have zero focus at the individual level on managing stress, being smart about rest and regeneration. So at Arena Labs and High Performance Medicine, the idea is, look, we're not going to recreate the wheel. We're simply going to bring the curriculum and the science that have been proven out in these other disciplines into frontline healthcare. In terms of how I got into that, the first, you know, when I grew up, I, I was from, from Cleveland, Ohio, and was very fortunate as a kid to have a pretty regular, you know, we'd have dinner together as a family. And my mom was a nurse. She worked as a registered nurse in the operating room. And then at, later in the, the what's called the PACU, the post-anesthesia care unit. So basically recovering from surgery. But I always say that as a kid, I was fascinated that my mom loved something outside the house I didn't fully understand. And the other thing we talk a lot about, we, you know, in the spirit of this conversation is the service archetype. In order for a society to flourish, it has to have people who are eager to contribute to the advancement of non-excludable goods or free public services, and that's healthcare, law enforcement, military, education. And the thing about service archetypes, and my mom was one of these, is they're they're the type of people who will give of themselves to a higher order mission again and again, unless they have tools and leaders in place, they will often give of themselves beyond what their bodies really should be doing. This is how you get burnout. And so on the rare occasions that my mom, she was not a dramatic person, but on the rare occasions that she lost a patient in the operating room or something went wrong, you could viscerally feel that at the kitchen table. But I was so attracted to her love of this mission. And it was just part of the conversation of our home. I always thought I was going to go into medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, I went into national security. So I got to, I, I, ser- I got to serve in the public arena of initially government at the Pentagon and in the White House. And that was exciting. This was right after 9-11. And so there's just a lot happening in the world. Um, And then later in life, I went into the military and I got to serve in special operations. And it was in that time where part part of military training, particularly special operations, is that you were taught how to manage your own nervous system 
and stress and anxiety through a specific set of tools that have been proven out again in these other disciplines. And so I got access to these tools that really helped me focus and manage fear and anxiety. And as I got you know, increasingly advanced in my career, these tools were really central. And at the same time, in that era that, that I went through training, there was this emphasis on wearable sensors, Nolan. And this was really the front end of what became the tidal wave of biometrics and wearables. But between understanding my own biometric data and these tools, I started to get a way more sophisticated land, understanding of the landscape of my own body kind of how we got to arenas. My last job in the Navy was collaborating with a heart surgeon at the Cleveland Clinic okay. for a project around human performance. And it was in the course of that work where I saw, hey, this is really exciting. The Cleveland Clinic's been ranked number one in the world at the time for 25 years. What was extraordinarily crazy to me is that the top heart surgeons and nurses in heart surgery in the world were not being trained in what we would call human factors or human performance. And I, life kind of came full circle and I realized my mom never had access to these tools that were a core part of the foundation of my training and success in the military. And so that began the, the journey of arena labs. I think that's so interesting in taking this human performance approach. You mentioned, you know, I guess changing the narrative from burnout to optimization. And that is really cool too, because all of a sudden, you know, when, when you're thinking, oh, I just don't, I don't want clinicians and healthcare workers to burn out, then I feel like that kind of brings all health systems to doing the bare minimum, right? To like ride that line of like, where can we take them right, you know, up until they're going to burn out, but then changing it to a narrative of human performance and optimization. It's like, how can we maximize? Um, yeah, that's a brilliant observation, Nolan. And one of the things that's really important to understand, it's a bedrock of, I think, where we've been able to be successful is so if we deconstruct what we know about burnout and, and burnout, the, the language of burnout is at the end of the day, burnout is first of all, it's psychophysiological, meaning psychologically, I start to get worn out from my job because it's stressful. It feels like it's taking a toll. And eventually that becomes physiological, meaning my heart rate goes up, my sleep suffers, my sleep architecture atrophies, my heart rate variability goes down. And so that same profile is what burnout in the military, often in its later stages, what we would call PTSD. But burnout is a psychophysiological phenomenon in the human system. And what we know about people in high stress careers is they have a higher propensity for burnout. And that over time, that burnout is often, we, we don't even recognize the sort of slow insidious nature that it takes. But the thing about it that, that is really interesting is that if I say to you, Nolan, you know, let's say you're, you know, you just started a career in medicine and you're a, a resident coming out of, you know, medical school. If I say to you, you're broken, or if not, you will someday be broken. It's human nature for all of us to stay away from that narrative, even if we know it's true, where to your point, this idea of human flourishing and human performance is actually one of the most exciting human concepts we have. Like when we say, when I say to you, Nolan, I'm going to give you a set of tools that are going to help you be the best version of yourself. Like just the subtext of that is what we're all aspiring to be. And so even though it's the same set of tools, the things that are going to help someone prevent burnout are the same things that help someone psychologically and physiologically be at their best. Yeah. When we put it through the aspirational narrative of human performance and human flourishing, we see a much higher rate of at least surgeons and nurses being willing to try it. Yeah. And right now in the landscape of healthcare, most hospitals 
are there's this oversaturation around burnout, burnout tools and data. And the average doctor or nurse, just like PTSD in the military, is trying to stay away from this kind of like overused set of terms that feel like it just leads to resources that tell you you're broken. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So she talked about, I, I guess you touched on it a little there about um, there are these burnout tools and all of this data out there that, you know, health systems may or may not be looking at. So I guess before Arena Labs was started, what were the, um, I guess, protocols for large health systems to both track and manage um, physician and clinician well-being? Um, and how has, I know that Arena Labs now has a partnership with Whoop, um, correct, correct me if I'm mm -hmm. wrong. So yeah. how has the introduction of uh, a wearable that can give a longitude can give you like a longitudinal data set of biometrics for health systems. How has that kind of changed the way health systems are approaching this? Yeah, great question. Um, so I say this humbly, but to my knowledge, we are still the only company in America tracking biometrics on clinicians, okay. which is ludicrous. Yeah, it really is crazy. And the reason to really understand this problem, when you get under the hood of hospitals, there's a few factors at play. The biggest one is that hospitals obsess about patient quality and safety, as they should. If you're going into a, a hospital, right, you, if you're a patient and you're, you know, your mom's going to have heart surgery, you want to know that this has a high likelihood of success and there's low issues around morbidity and mortality, that all translates into patient quality, the patient experience. The problem with that, and it's and again, it's really important, but the problem with the, the, the general legacy of healthcare is it obsessively focuses on the patient at the expense of the per person providing care. Okay. Healthcare is the only industry that will ask people to serve a mission at the expense of themselves without understanding the human system. So amazing levels of fidelity and data on the patient. You can go deconstruct any hospital system. They can give you, you know, amazing data on turnover time and how long it takes a patient to go through their system. And if they're having orthopedic hip surgery, what, you know, all of the data around that. And then you ask how well rested or ready or prepared were the nurse and the surgeon on those teams and there's zero data. And so our argument at ARENA is that is if the most important part of quality and safety is the actual clinician. In fact, the thing we say to be provocative is the least important part of patient safety is the patient. Mm -hmm. Because if you are taking care of the patient at the expense of the person who's providing care, it's this weird, this weird logic loop that allows you to degrade what you're doing. So prior to us bringing biometrics into healthcare, there was no precedent. And the only thing, and I say this again with humility, but I think a fair degree of critique I would say that the, the Mogan logic train in healthcare is the lack of focus on the clinician. And most of the resources offered are resources either for crisis, meaning, hey, I'm burned out. I have a mental health or I'm just worn out. At that point, it's very hard to reverse engineer a crisis. The other end of the spectrum are resources that that lack data in high fidelity. So we can give someone like, you're familiar with the app Headspace, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, a lot of hospitals may have something like that that's downloadable on like a public portal for help, you know, employee wellness, but they don't show efficacy in data. So our entire goal 
was number one, how do we establish this field of what we call high-performance medicine, reprioritize the clinician and do that in a science-driven way so that we can show a clear feedback loop. If someone's going to use these resources, we're going to help them lower their heart rate, increase their HRV and improve their quality of sleep. How did you go about creating uh, you know, a content library that was most effective at again, touching on the education piece that you were talking about, where, yes, yeah, some systems may give their, um, you know, healthcare workers access to headspace, but there's no real push. There's no, why do we do this? There's no, we're yeah. doing this so that we can avoid this, or we're doing this so that we can maximize this. So how did you go about one, picking out those actual thought leaders in the space to collaborate? And then two, just the mindset behind creating that platform in general? Yeah, so we were one of the things, if you look at um, how companies come to be and their evolution, it, one of the, there, there's often in, in sort of the world of solving a problem, you can either have a technology or, you know, what's known as a product. So um, Whoop is a, you know, technology platform, or you can be a service. Yeah. And so a service is often, and some companies go in between, but if you think about consulting or you're going to go on site, you're going to work. So for before COVID, we were a services business, meaning we were like a, a boutique or a small consultancy okay. where we took people who were experts in these topics. We'd go into a hospital like the Cleveland Clinic. We would be on site. We might work with our heart surgery team or the orthopedic surgery team, or we might even work across the whole hospital. But we were doing intensive observations in the operating room in the emergency department in the ICU. We would interview surgeons and nurses. And then we were teaching these tools in person. We do a workshop on Tuesday around the science of sleep. And we teach people about how to improve sleep and sleep hygiene. We did that for about three years, Nolan. And that gave us a really important understanding of the problem through the lens of all of the people we were working with. The challenges, though, is all of the content we were teaching or that our, we at the time we called them performance ambassadors. So we might have a Blue Angel come in and teach a course on visualization and how Blue Angels visualize the flight plan before they actually get up in the air. Yep. The issue with all of that is that healthcare is especially hard because it's very dynamic. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these other, you play tennis. So like, you know, if your tennis coach says, hey, Nolan, like the entire team on Tuesday, we're going to do a workshop on the breath to control to control nerves before a match. And you guys would be excited. That's part of just the, the sort of what's expected of personal development, to become a better tennis player. Your team comes in, you have an expert who leads you through breathing practices, maybe some visualization work. If you do that in healthcare, and let's say we're going to 9 a.m. on Tuesday, we're going to run this workshop. And then what happens is the night before some traumas come in, the operating room schedule has to shift you know, operating, some things move around. The next thing you know, 9 a.m., it's really hard to get people to show up. Okay. And so that's a long way of saying we had to reimagine how we were delivering this. And that COVID forced us, that old business model died, and we actually had to build what we call Arena Strive, the product. So we became a technology company that allowed us to integrate the biometrics and the sensor. But as a result, the most important question that we had to answer is how do we deliver to you a learning journey asynchronously, meaning on demand on your end? And the only way to do that was to pre-record content. Mm -hmm. And so that meant two things. One, we had to go figure out who's the expert on this topic or the set of experts. And number two, how do we go record that in a way that makes sense for medicine? Because again, Headspace is great, 
but 20 minutes of meditation is often impractical for a surgeon who doesn't have control of their day. And so we had to repackage the science in the context of medicine. And that's one of the reasons we've had success because every piece of content on our platform is not generalized. It's actually been recorded and built for a surgeon or nurse to consume for the realities of what it means to be on the front lines of medicine. Okay. Wow. So, so then is that content, so is it tailored all the way to um, whoever's delivering the content, uh, basically saying, basically talking them through a specific situation or is that is it a little bit broader than that but still kind of specific to to healthcare yeah so we will often um when you know so dr andrew huberman does a lot of content you're probably familiar with him so you know dr huberman will teach something called the physiological side that's one of the first things he teaches in our platform it's two inhales through the nose followed by a long exhale through the mouth he talks through what is a physiological side, what's the science, how can this be relevant in healthcare, like where would you use this, and then how do you do it? So that that general arc is the aim of all of our content. What is this, and what's the science, so that we're we're scientifically rigorous. We're not throwing kind of, you know, in the, in the human performance space, there can be kind of unproven things we all do that we like, but they don't necessarily have scientific validity. And then two, how do we take that thing and make it relevant or practical in a world of healthcare where, again, you're not an elite athlete who's got two hours in the locker room before a game. You've sometimes got it between cases. You've got five minutes and you're trying to figure out what can I do to reset my body? I was wondering if next, maybe you can talk through um, why why the partnership with whoop as opposed to you know some of these uh you know some of these other comp uh other wearable tech companies and then um you know number two how has the how has the partnership allowed you to you know run i i don't want to call them case studies but in a way like case studies about bringing arena labs to different healthcare systems Full disclosure, we've actually now opened up a partnership with Aura Ring as well. Okay. So we work with Whoop and Aura. Um, we we talked to Fitbit for a while. They're owned by Google. Um, so the, the original reason that we used Whoop and, and ultimately, I mean, I, I think the, the more important probably takeaway here mm-hmm. is that Whoop and Aura are amongst a small number of sensors that have been validated in a third-party way that show a very high degree of accuracy. And they and on the sleep side, they often show a very close accuracy as compared to a polysomnogram. And a, a polysomnogram, you know, that that's what um, you know, people use for sleep studies. And what's really exciting about this entire sort of again tidal wave is that 10 years ago, these sensors, whether it's a whoop or an aura, were clinical grade sensors. You had to be in a sleep study or you had to, you know, maybe be an elite athlete who could go get hooked up to a special heart rate machine. And so now that we are seeing the democratization of these devices, we're starting to get population level data. And at the same time, these devices are actually getting better and better because they have massive data samples and everything from predictive to just, you know, clear and, and accurate al- algorithms. So we started with Whoop because we really liked the band. This can actually be worn on the bicep. So you can take it off the wrist and slide it to your bicep. For people who work in operating rooms, when you scrub into surgery, generally everything below the elbow has to be removed and cleaned and sterilized. 
So we thought it'd be really important to get analytics in the operating rooms. It turns out, and this is the same for athletes, you know, for you, what's happening in a tennis match and what your physiology looks like, that's nice for you to know. What's more important and what is likely going to be a better predictor of your success is how you handle the other 22 hours outside of the tennis court. How are you resting and recovering and regenerating? So similar to in medicine, we, we realized that we didn't need the, the real-time analytics on the bicep. We just needed to get people, particularly when they're sleeping, so we can see how their body's recovering and adapting. Um, over time, Aura, you know, the thing that we're excited about Aura is they're really making some big investments in clinician wellness and in some novel and innovative ways. And so they're, we're excited about that new partnership, but um, Whoop has remained very committed. Whoop and Aura allow a doctor or nurse to feel like the hospital's investing in them in a really unique way. I get, a, I get access to a world-class sensor, some really neat data sets, and it just feels like, oh, wow, this is an opportunity for me to go deeper in understanding my body. What are some engagement metrics at this point that, that you've seen with, with the health systems that Arena Labs has, has worked with? For us, it is, you know, there's two elements of what we're doing that, that, that are, we like to think are unique, but converge around the real value. And the challenge of health systems is that a lot of frontline nurses and doctors don't trust the corporate side of the administration. These administrators are well-intentioned and hardworking people, but the reality of these kind of pyramid structures, whether it's the military education or healthcare, is the way the world has developed. People on the front lines have access to a lot of information and insight, and there's often a distrust with the top of that pyramid. And so our whole thesis is this idea of being a trusted teammate. And if we come in and we're working with you and say, hey, Nolan, if you put the sensor on, we're gonna we're gonna collect some data about you, but that data is gonna be blinded and de-identified. So your the hospital doesn't see your data. We're gonna give you a performance coach and we're gonna give you some tools to help you live a better life, not just in the hospital, but at home. People get really excited about that and they're willing to trust us with their data. We then turn around and say to the hospital, if you give us, given that you're allowing us access to all of your frontline medical personnel and surgery. We're going to, each of them individually, we're going to start to change their behavior, give them some insights, but then we're going to aggregate all that data. And when we aggregate that data, we're going to give you as a hospital some insights about the human system that you've never had. We're going to teach you, we're going to show you what days of the week people are most stressed. When are they sleeping the best? And that's actually going to help you make better decisions about how you hire and how you run your system and how you keep people healthy. When we do that well, that trusted teammate philosophy allows us access to frontline surgeons and nurses and a data set that helps hospitals be smarter in how they're actually you know, running their human capital. Um, and so as a result, that the, the data dashboards that we're creating are helping hospitals really redefine, we call it operationalizing physiology. So how do you take physiology of the individual and then the team level start to make different operational decisions so that we can be smarter about how people rest and recover? I've never heard of like a, a model like this where, you know, in respect to on one hand being very clinician facing, but then using that, using that data, um, you know, obviously using data privacy and all that stuff, but then still being able to create this, this dashboard for the, you know, at, at the administrative level of hospital systems. Um, I don't, you know, I, I feel like it almost seems like Arena Labs is acting as the middleman in, in all of this and connecting you know the two the two parties that as you had mentioned where historically there may be a little tension and a little distrust there what's next what's the what's the next next iteration of arena labs are you 
Are you guys going to focus more on the content side? Are there more partnerships with healthcare systems on the way? Yeah. So now we're starting to get into some bigger, we're doing work with healthcare systems at scale. So when you start off, you do in healthcare, a lot of pilots, so smaller, you know, 100, 150 clinicians. So now we're getting into large scale, what are called enterprise contracts. So we might have an entire health system with 100 or 200 hospitals on our platform. And for us, what gets exciting about that is we start to generate really large data insights. And so we're already starting to see as we get more and more clinicians on the platform, we're, we're really beginning to show some exciting opportunities for how hospitals manage and develop their people. And our, our goal has always been to be the world's largest aggregator of stress and human factors data and frontline medicine. And our belief is we can redefine and reimagine healthcare if, if we have the data set of the people actually providing care and we start to recognize patterns and opportunities, that's really how you get ahead of burnout. It's not in the end state of people being burned out. Um, so we do have, you know, Aura Ring is an exciting new partnership for us. We do have new content. Um, we're getting into more specified content. So the original learning journey was what we called foundation. So the foundational elements of human performance, whether you're a tennis player, whether you're a surgeon, you know, circus lay acrobat or Navy SEAL, what do we know is foundational to someone who works in a high stress environment being successful? We are now building more specific content around things like night shift workers or people who work shift work. So, you know, Monday to Thursday, I work nights, but then on the weekends, I'm trying to live a normal life. Well, if I'm, if I'm switching kind of that circadian rhythm, then that requires some really sophisticated understanding of my own body. So we're getting into more bespoke kind of deep dive human performance content for on the advanced side. I love that. I think there's, there's so much value in that. Even the example that you just mentioned with night shift versus day shift workers. I, I mean, the amount of specified protocols that are needed to, you know, be able to shift your circadian rhythm, you know, kind, kind of like this, which is, you know, it's the nature of the beast, right? In someone that's working in that sort of profession, it's, it's needed like that. So um, really valuable stuff. And I think, um, as you had mentioned, kind of becoming more of like, or implementing arena labs at scale. Um, I think that the ball will just continue to roll and, um, you know, ultimately doing this, doing this out of, a out of a passion for improving the lives of healthcare workers, because they are ultimately, you know, so integral in, in, in society and in everyone's lives, I think is, is really commendable. And I, you know, I applaud all the work that, that you guys have been doing. Right on, Noel. Hey man, thanks for your interest in our mission and tracking us down. It's always uh, humbling when someone at your season of life, who's looking at the next Ridgeline of performance is checking us out. It means a lot. So it's, we, we want to serve that full demographic of the next generation of leaders to people who are currently in the arena, so to speak. Thanks so much, Brian. Appreciate it. Right, good to meet you. Cheers.